She was here in the fall on a sabbatical, staying with us, and so we went down. Uh, she runs a children's home of about 100 kids. She also, uh, there's a women's shelter, kind of an abuse shelter, where the police bring people in all the time that are under protective custody, kind of protecting them from people. Uh, women there, teen women there, and also a school. They basically started a school up through sixth grade um, of some kids in the community and also the kids at the home. So we came down and basically said, how can we love you? How can we support you? What do you need? And so we chose to do a youth camp this year, spiritual investment, not just a team digging up you know, stuff and doing construction, but we wanted to love them well. And so this is our team. We had 15 people go down. It was amazing. Uh, no big fist fights. We did really well. Thank you, guys. Uh, we put together, and many of you saw a Sign Up Genius online and you participated, but we put together what we called a swag bag. And it was basically these backpacks with our logo on them. It had tons of stuff. It had a tie-dye shirt for a team that they were going to be on with competitions. It had a, this shirt right here. It had tons of stuff, journals and for girls, nail polish and brushes and just lots of things, flashlights and pens and I don't even know what, candy, all sorts of stuff. But they felt really blessed. And many of you, there we go. So these girls are on the green team, which are Amanda and Brian Brown's team. Sunglasses, bandanas, tons of stuff. And so they loved it. One of the things that's interesting is when we went down last year, we put together a swag bag, and we did just women only for a retreat. And they all still have the stuff because they don't have a lot of possessions. So that swag bag was huge for them. It was like stuff that's their own, and they hang on to it too. All right. Uh, we basically divided up in teams. We, I mean, it was like youth camp. It was like a, a U.S. youth camp. We had this was an egg toss, so everybody had their teams: orange and blue and green and red. Um, but they did egg tosses, and we had tons, tons of different games. Um, this is Daughters of Purpose. So this is the shelter. So a couple of our women went over. Um, the last day before we left and just hung out with them and loved on them. But these are the women. There are probably about six of them who had babies. Uh, many of them um, were uh, raped. Most of them were raped, and that's how they have their babies. And so um, we were able to, they were about 23 of the 50 kids at camp. Okay, so this is our, this was our theme, Despertar, and it means awakening. And uh, is basically our prayer for them and our prayer for the camp was that it would be a time of awake, a spiritual awakening, that they would experience the presence of God, that they would know his uh, love for them, his affection, that they would know their identity in Jesus. And so we basically just ask an awakening of God's power in their lives, an awakening of the knowledge of Jesus. Um, it was beautiful. So uh, Laura McNeil, is she here? Lori Mandel is our, you know, one of our artists here at Vintage, and she uh, she made the logo. And then we had these two huge drop cloths that we got, and she painted it on, and we're hanging it in the the, the fund, which is Fundacion. It's the orphanage, so they've got one, and then also Daughters of Purpose, the shelter has one, and they all signed they all signed that they were here um, for that. All right, so this is the uh, there are lots of people you can't really see them, but we had about 80 people. 80, 82 people at the camp, including our team and a couple of the local uh, American staff as well, and then Guatemalan staff. So there were about 80 of us, and it was really a beautiful time. So thanks to each of you who financially invested or prayerfully invested. It, it was great. Um, it was different than last year because last year was just women, and so it was really girly. And we did a lot of girly things last year, and this was really more like a camp. But they were both really unique and beautiful, um, and I asked Alicia about it, and she, she said they were both beautiful. There wasn't one that she liked better than the other because she saw an awakening in all of her kids both years. And so thank you guys. Are there, is the next one 
Uh, somebody who's speaking? Okay. All right, great. So if the team would come up, if you're in here, Brian and Amanda Brown are actually working in children's ministry today, so they won't come up. But if our team who's here can come up, and then you'll have an opportunity if you'd like to share. And if you see people, not everybody has their shirt on, but um, but if you want to connect with anybody and just ask questions later, I'm sure they would all love to talk a little bit about what that was like for um, what they experienced or saw God do. All right. So just real quick, a couple of, uh, Amanda is in here. Amanda, go ahead and come forward. Um, she left her children by themselves. I'm sure Jesus will take care of them. They'll be fine. All right, scoot down, Lucas, a little bit. Yeah, all right, so just a couple of uh, ground rules, team, for sharing. When you share, you have to stand up, okay? So they can, I know. Uh, Nicole's like, no. But go ahead, stand up, they can see you and stuff in three minutes. And um, if you're not going to share, just pass the microphone down to the next person. And uh, we'll start down here. Lucas, are you sharing? <laughs> I guess so. I can. I'm able to. Um, so last time I was abroad, I was in Asia, and I got really sick. Uh, about nine months, I had stomach issues. And um, Guatemala was the next time I left the country after being so sick. And... Um, it wounded me a lot, physically, obviously, but spiritually also. Being so sick, I was feeling very uh, let down and abandoned because it, it was just a, there was a lot of struggles involved with that. Um, so going to Guatemala, I was really scared that I was going to get sick again, and I spent the first few days in um, just, like, intense worry that I was going to get sick. And so the Lord began to work in me. Um, in terms of instilling trust within me, um, faith that he would keep me well, but trust that if he didn't keep me well, that I would praise him anyway. And um, so what that started turning into was not only trust for um, maintaining my health, but uh, trust that the Spirit was leading my interactions with the kids and trust in um, my team and trust and uh, leadership and the people and trust that he was um, just moving. And so a big thing for me was uh, learning more about trust and learning what it's about to um, kind of like the Radshak, Meshach, and Abednego thing when they're in, in the furnace and um, they are like, we know God can take us out, but if he doesn't, we'll still praise him anyway. And that's kind of where the trust comes in. Uh, so that's <laughs> he forgot to mention that um, him and Austin and Greg led worship for our camp and it was amazing like in Spanish and, and just like so it was unbelievable I have the best videos and stuff of them so that was just a great part but so I can't believe, you know, like that he said, saved a wretch like me and that I get to walk in this beautiful life and, you know, go and spend time with these wonderful people. And last year and the same thing. So this year was um, a huge, like, kind of like spiritual marker for me because I did the same thing last year and I did the same thing this year. I go, you know, and it's like I get to see that goodness is just keeping on. It's just keep going. It's not, it's not stopping. And I don't have to worry about the other shoe dropping or anything. He's with me, and he's always going to be with me. He's never going to leave me. And um, I can't even put into words how much this trip means to me. I can't put into words 
how the spirit moves so just magically among us and among the children, but of the father's love through a mother for orphans is unreal, you know, and um, to hear them come down the hill from camp and it, teacher Heather, teacher Heather, teacher Heather, and it was like, ah, and the first night, and, and Elizabeth was asking me on the plane yesterday, and I'm kind of glad that she did ask me because it kind of, I can talk for three minutes and then shut up, but um, what my highlights were, and on the first night, I stay in the cabins every time with the girls at camp because that's like, you know, after we get finished, it's great time, and in the morning, I did makeovers and stuff like that with the girls, like stuff that mamas do, and um, but the first night, I got to put um, probably 30 girls to sleep, tuck them in, and kiss them, and tell them good night, and that I love them, and they all received that well. But by the second night, I did the same thing, and um, they told me they love me too. And it's amazing what the Lord can do in two days' time, you know, just uh, create bonds and everything. So, you know. I'm thankful for the life that he has given me and the the life that's abundant and um, blessed with these uh, beautiful moments. There are no words uh, to say how grateful I am to him for saving me. Okay, so I'm like really nervous because I'm not a public speaker, so please forgive me. (laughs) Um, Honestly, um, God called me to do this a few months ago, and uh, honestly, I don't, I didn't, I said yes, and so I was like, just lead me where you want me. I honestly didn't really have much to give. Um, So we got there, and honestly, through the whole camp and stuff like that, I felt kind of helpless. Like, I felt like I was wandering because I wasn't necessarily part of, like, the art part or, like, a team leader or anything like that. Um, so I was really struggling and frustrated and kind of frustrated that <laughs> I didn't know a lick of Spanish. So that was <laughs> – that that barrier was kind of hard as well. Um, so even if I, after I got home yesterday, I still felt like I didn't really do anything, um, that I didn't really have an impact or anything. Um, but this morning as I was getting ready – um, God reminded me that uh, my yes wasn't wasted. Um, I don't know. Some of you are on my Facebook, but I don't, on your iPhones, there's a panoramic view or a panoramic option. Um, our last day there, we um, stayed at this beautiful place on this huge lake, and it had volcanoes in the background. Um, and so yesterday morning, um, there was this beautiful sunrise, and I was just taking it all in. And so I did my little pano on my phone. This morning, God reminded me that my yes wasn't wasted, that yes, I got to do a little bit of the art with the kids. I got to help a little bit with, you know, the games that were going on or hold some of the women's babies so they could go to, you know, the worship services or go and participate in the games. But he reminded me that I was that panoramic view. I got to watch his beautiful work be done in every aspect of the camp. Um, and And the language barrier you know, us humans forget that that barrier has already been taken care of, that love conquers all barriers. Um, And I just want to say that if you have any kind of inkling of a conviction to go on any kind of mission trip, do it, because your yes will not be wasted.
Well, I knew what I was going to say, kind of, but now I don't. Um, no, I'm not. Um, let me just think for a second. Actually, let me pass it over and I'll talk after she's done. Okay. Um, hi, I'm AK. Um, so, um, as you can see, I'm, everyone here is like twice my age. Um, so, no, I guess it, that's actually not old if you're like, no, okay, anyways, whatever. So, that was, okay. Um, anyway. Okay. This always Okay. Um, so, I actually wasn't really supposed to go on this trip. Like, you have to be, like, 18. But my best friend's, she's, like, my older sister, Alicia is. So I was lucky to go on this trip. So um, when I first came on this trip, uh, my heart was kind of, like, I didn't really, like, sort of feel the spirit. And so, like, and when we got here and we had worship and everything, like, I didn't really feel much of him. And I was like, Lord, where are you in this? Like, I need you. And um, the second day of camp, my dad spoke about being empowered and lo- um, being empowered by him so you can empower other people. And so we went into worship time, and I was like, okay, Lord, like, I really want you to empower me in this. Like, I want to pray over someone. And I was like, so who do you want me to pray over? And so I was thinking, and there's this girl sitting next to me. Her name's Esquela, and she, uh, she had been abused, obviously, in the past, but she now cut her arms because um, to get attention, and it has to do with the abuse. And so I was like, okay, Lord, this is, like, the person you want me to pray over. And I was like, okay, should I do this? I don't know. I'm kind of scared because, like, what's going to happen? How is she going to react? And so I was like, okay. And so I just went, and I started praying, and I went on my knees. And then, like, his power just overwhelmed me. His love overwhelmed me. I was like, Oh, I was like, I couldn't even think straight. I was like, okay, Lord, just, uh, and I was crying, and I didn't really, I'm not like a super good prayer, like, so I was just like saying the same words like over and over again, like, Lord, show her your love, fill up her cup with your love, and make it overflow, and and then I, and then I was like, okay, so I finished praying, and I was like, oh, this is awesome, like this has never happened before, and then. Then I saw this, um, I'm sorry, this is really long. Okay, um, so then I saw, a, like, a little boy, not a little boy, he's, like, my age, and then he was sitting in a wheelchair, and, uh, and he's, um, disabled, and I was, like, should I pray for him? Like, I've never prayed over a disabled person before, I've never, and so I was, like, I went over to, um, this lady, Megan, she'd been uh, working about as long as Alicia, and she was, like, um, she, he, uh, he used to be like a normal, but then he um, uh, got beaten um, because he was taking up for his mom by his dad, and it like he got beat up so bad, like he can't talk, like he can't walk, and it's like when he tries to speak, it just comes out in like a, a lot of like jingle of words, and I just so you can't understand what he's trying to say. So she's like, totally pray over him. And so I started praying over him, and the same thing happened again. And I was like, oh, Lord, oh, my gosh, this is so cool. And so, yeah, and then uh, so I was like, the same thing. I was like, heal his heart, heal and know that you um, love him. And so, yeah, that's kind of what happened. Like, I just, it was the most 
of the spirit I'd ever felt, and so it kind of empowered me for the rest of the trip. And things. So yeah. Oh, here you go. So kind of like what Nicole said, she said that she didn't feel like she had anything to give. Um, when I was asked when we first started this trip, why are you coming? I just said because I was coming for her. That's why. I didn't really have any pull. I didn't even feel the Holy Spirit telling me to go. I'm not really, I don't, I don't really have like any special. <laughs> okay. I didn't think I did. And I really didn't have a heart for kids, honestly. Like, I love my kids, but other people's kids, you know, there's other people's kids to me. Um, and I can't play sports well. I used to be able to, but I'm not a big sport person. Um, so I just kind of was like, okay, I'll just go. See what happens. And even when we got there, I was just like, you know, who's going to do what? I was like, okay, you know, I'm just going to say I'll do whatever somebody wants to sign me, and I'll just see what happens, and hopefully God can move through me. Um... When I got there, you know, I'm, I'm sorry, I, I cry. <laughs> when I got there, it was just like, you know, uh, it wasn't really a question of what to do. You just love the kids. And if you don't have the love, God will give it to you. Because it just happens. And I don't really know what else to say other than that. Like, as far as, you know, I don't really know how much of an impact we had on the kids themselves. You know, just being there for a few days. I believe God can do anything and can move and help the kids in whatever way, you know, he wants and use us for it. But. You know, this trip really wasn't about the kids um, directly. I mean, I think God uses us to help the kids in whatever way, but I think that we as a team were more affected by this trip. Um, and I think that, you know, we helped the staff that was there. Um, really, I mean, what the kids really need is, you know, love and attention and consistency. Um, you know, parents. And us doing that, you know, just going for a week or whatever, isn't giving us that. We can throw money. I mean, it helps, you know, because everything costs money. Taking care of the kids costs money. But that's not really what they need. And it's not just them, you know, it's the foster kids here. You know, like, that's where this church has been focusing upon like I don't know how long it's you know, just giving to these kids what they need and it's not money it's not going for a week and this isn't what I was going to talk about I don't know sorry 
I only got three minutes, so I'll try to make it quick. Um, I'm probably already up. Am I up? Um, but, you know, our purpose as Christians is not, this is what I learned on the trip, by the way, is not going on these mission trips for a week or two weeks or whatever and going back home and doing our daily lives. That's not who we are as Christians, like just going to work and whatever. And I know that, like, you know, you come back from a trip and you're like all excited, and that's probably what this is. But it's the truth. Like, we are not meant to be part of this world. Like, we are meant to do something as Christians, people who follow Christ. That's what that means. And whether it's children or whoever, like, we are not missed. Like, we cannot, we will, we will die inside if we just go to work and come home and take care of our own families and live every day to make that paycheck so hopefully we can pay our bills and then maybe next year we'll get a raise and then maybe we can do something more. You know what I mean? That's not who we are as Christians. That's not what we're designed for. We're designed to do God's work and to be the parents to those kids who don't have parents and to love those people who don't have people loving them. Um, and not for a week, not for a month, but that is who we are for life. For as, as long as we live, that is what we are called to do. You know, and we get the money. I, for a while, I just thought, you know, okay, well, I can do my part by making money, giving money. And that might be some level of our purpose, but giving what God has given to us, and that's love. That is our purpose. That is what God wants us to do. At least that's what my conviction is. I don't know what everybody else's conviction is, and I don't want to place my convictions on everybody else. But my conviction is the fact that I need to give love to people who don't have it. And that's what God has instilled in me, is going to instill in me, and that's what I feel my purpose is. And um, I don't know where I'm going with this, but I just want to encourage you guys that wherever you are, that, you know, if you have a desire to do what we're called to do as Christians, and I hope you do, just listen to God. And it doesn't, you know, don't, don't wait to go on a trip. But just right now, listen to God and ask him what he wants you to do and do it. And just do it. That's it, you know. sure what I was going to share. I knew this time was coming, like, as the end of the week um, was coming around, and um, a friend, without realizing it, helped me realize and and put it into words. Um, When he saw me this morning, he was like, you look really refreshed, like, a week without any responsibility, you know, is really, like, refreshing, and um, and the thought that came to me right as he was saying that is, like, we all had a lot of responsibility, but I think the biggest difference is that we were all intentional and on mission, and focused on what Christ wanted to do for that time period and it's refreshing and it cleanses your soul and it refocuses you on what really matters in life. Um, Cause when I left for the trip, 
I was focused on a whole lot of what I thought I wanted or needed and wasn't getting and was being crabby and the ugly wife that they talk about in Proverbs 31 that we won't really go into detail about. But um, just all of those things like focused on me and I spend a lot of my Christian life, prayer life, focusing on how is God going to fix what I think is wrong with my life instead of what can I be doing for God and trust him for the rest. Like leading up to this trip, Pastor Steve gave a um, teaching or sermon about flipping the switch of looking at God for all of who he is, like period, not looking at God in light of what he's done for you. And, um, and so mentally, I've been trying to make that switch of just focusing on God for who he is, not all the things that he saved me from or all of, you know, life experiences and all that. And it's a fascinating journey just to be a, a conduit was one of the words like for our team, just to be a conduit for God to love on these kids, to not go in with a specific mindset or a specific expectation, but just to be an open vessel for God to overflow on these kids. And um, I got the opportunity to share my testimony with these girls, which is challenging to come from, like, pain is the same, but anyways, that's a longer story. It was, it was interesting to try to articulate to people who have lived the same life as me, but in a different country where things are just different. I don't know. But so my point in my testimony was teaching them the names of Jehovah and who God was because you can't really know who you are until you know where you came from, which is a quote from another friend. Um, but in doing that and focusing on trying to show them, like, this is who God is for you, God concreted in my soul or dropped like an anchor in my soul of who I am. And um, it's a feeling that I can't describe, but if you don't have it, the easiest way to get it is to just completely focus on God. <laughs> just um, go on a missions trip. That'll help. Um, but to live on mission, like you don't have to wait for a mission trip to live on mission and to be intentional. And that was one of the other convictions is like, I focused so much on loving on these kids and I'm like all the time, you know, like telling my kids to be quiet, like I'm getting ready for a mission trip, you know, like leave me alone, you know? So I think there's a lot of like refocusing that happens. And, um, I don't know. Those were all of my thoughts kind of all shoved together, but that's what I wanted to share. Um, so, well, I'm Rebecca, and going into the mission trip, I had um, a goal of I just wanted to serve. I wanted to be willing to do whatever was asked, whether it was comfortable or uncomfortable or awkward or um, or something I enjoyed. You know, I just I wanted that heart to serve, and, um, and God really met me in that place, and he really humbled me. Seeing um, Alicia, seeing our team members, uh, specifically Amanda, and some of the things that she was willing to do for people, and um, just seeing these people who were willing to not just do something compassionate and kind and on this one level, but to go to this further place of serving someone, to making them feel valued and love and like a person and not um, an object or a burden um, and watching the way that even the kids and the girls were interacting with each other the same way 
the compassion that they had for each other, the servanthood that they would have for each other. It was it was very humbling. It was humbling to, you know, to have to be asked to do things, and and even though you do them, to really evaluate your heart reaction the first time you're asked. And um, and that was super humbling on the trip to see that my um, initial heart reaction is oftentimes not a very beautiful reaction. It's often a very arrogant reaction. Um, so even in my compassion, being having arrogance in that and only being willing to, to go to this one level of uncomfortableness and watching other people just break those levels and say, you know, I'm not going to just stick to what the level that I'm comfortable being uncomfortable in, but I'm going to actually... I'm going to put this person before myself the way scripture tells us to, and I'm going to pour myself into them and and love on them and um, trying to take that home and think about what does that look like for me in my home? What does it look like for me in my interaction with people daily? And, um, and I don't have an answer. You know, it's, it's Jesus. It's allowing him to, it's staying humble and allowing him to come in and to to change those initial heart reactions to where um, my desires to not be seen in my compassion or be seen in my servanthood, but that I actually want to serve someone because they genuinely deserve it, because I genuinely believe that they are of enough value and that they deserve enough love to have someone go and wash their feet or go and and do the things that that they need. Um, And that's kind of where I landed at the end of the trip, just realizing, like, I'm not there. Like, I'm an arrogant American in my compassion still, you know, and having God just come and, and break that down and praying that he'll continue to do that, that I can continue to serve people out of, his power and not out of my power. I'm Elizabeth Kostick. Um Well, first, I just have to add one thing to John's. So when we left the fund on the last day, that was the name of the orphanage, John was, like, tackled by kids who would not let him go, like, literally clinging to his legs. Like, he was, like, having to... Like, like we had to, like, physically peel these kids off him because they loved him so much. So, yeah. Yeah. But um, so my prayer before we left was really just um, to leave me here and only take Jesus. Um, I was like, I have nothing, like, good in me of my own. Um, so I just want to empty out and just leave me here and just take Jesus and just really just be that empty pipe that um, Scott Crawford preached about a while ago, that conduit just to flow, um, which is really hard to do because it's really hard to strip yourself of your flesh. <laughs> but, um, but that was my prayer. And, um, and so I went and I totally agree with John, like the bonds with the kids just happened right away. But um, interestingly, the girl that I felt like I had the most impact on was one that when she first came to me one night for prayer, I didn't even know her name. Like she wasn't one of the ones that I had really bonded with. Um, and this is her on the screen, and her name is Callie. Um, but she came to me one night after Steve had preached. We were doing a worship service, and we're in the, um, we're just praying. And I was in the very back row, and I'm um, just sitting there, just kind of praying. And 
she came up to me and she said, Elizabeth, will you pray for me? And, um, and I was like, yes, of course. And so she just like was clinging to me. She wasn't one of the more emotional ones. She kind of had a hardness to her the whole time. Um, and she just was clinging to me. And so I was like, do you want to tell me anything? And she was like, no, 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 I don't want to say anything. Um, I just want you to pray for me. So I was like, okay. Actually, first when I said, can I pray for you? She said, no. <laughs> and I said, well, I'm going to anyway. And she said, okay. And then I said, what can I pray for? And she said, nothing. And I said, okay. So I just started praying for God's love. And um, she just was like literally clinging on to me, like literally like on me. And um, so I was just praying for her. And, and then she said, I do want to tell you something. And she said, my heart is bad. She said, my heart is bad. She said, I just feel bad. I'm a bad person. My heart is bad. And so I was like, okay, I get it now. i got to pray this condemnation off of her. And so I was like praying. And so I was like, I was like, you are good. You are good. And she's just like weeping, weeping, weeping. And I was like, you are so good. You are so good. And, um, and so we're praying. And so I just like God was telling me things. And I was telling her in English, Spanish, whatever words, you know. And, um, and then she said, um, and so I was cl- she was clinging to me still. And I was like, okay, that's it. Like, now she'll be done or, you know, whatever. Like, um, but she didn't. She just kept clinging on to me. And I was like, okay, there's something more that she needs here. And so she, um, she finally, she looked at me. She said, I want to, I want God to take my life. Like, I don't want to have my life anymore be mine. I want, um, I want God to, to give me a new life. And I was like, oh, okay. I don't think she's ever really done this before. Like, I don't think she's ever surrendered her heart to like the will of Christ. And so I was like, okay, that's what we're doing here. So I was like, okay. So I was like, well, let's pray. So I was praying over her and she was just like crying, like crying, crying, like into my lap. And so then I was like, will you pray with me that prayer? Will you pray for Christ to take your life? And she was like, okay. So she was repeating after me, like I was giving her words and she was repeating them. And, um, and then I said, um, I said, um, Jesus, you are my hope and I want to put my hope in you. And she just like broke down like she couldn't even say it. She was like crying so hard. And so I was like, I repeated it. And I was like, you need, if you believe that you need to say that, like that you want to really give your heart to Jesus. And, and so she did and she prayed it and she was just like weeping, weeping. And, um, and it was just this powerful, powerful experience. It was just amazing. Like, I don't know salvation wise where she was on the path, but something was broken off her, like some step forward was made. And, um, and it was just really cool because I was on the back row. And it wasn't one of the kids that I would have said, oh, that's the one I'm here for, you know. Um, but it was just being that conduit for God's power to move. And then the next day, I mean, I was, like, very wary. That I, was like, I was like, she might be embarrassed the next day that she got so emotional with me because that's not her. But she didn't. She just, like, ran to me and, like, clung to me, clung to me still and, um, and was, like, very, very affectionate for the whole rest of the trip. It was just awesome. Like, we were just connected. And then um, – when she went back home, Megan was one of the American teachers down there, and she went with us to the camp. Um, but uh, Callie's kind of house mom didn't go. She stayed back with the younger kids. And so Megan told me that Callie's house mom, whose name is Becca, she's American too, that when Callie got back, um, no one knew what had happened, and that Becca came up to Megan, who had been there. And Becca said, I don't know what happened with Callie, but she's a different person. And, um, and yeah, and it's just Jesus. And I think the thing for me, like my takeaway from all that was, I think I get very American in my thinking where, um, I'm very, very aware of how foolish the cross seems to the people who are not saved. And I think, um, I have kind of slipped baby steps away from really understanding the power of God and like how that changes people's hearts and focus more on the, um, 
on just how foolish it seems or, um, I don't know, like, I'm just going to read you scripture because I think this kind of sums it up. But it's 1 Corinthians 1.18. It says, For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, the intelligence of the intelligent I will frustrate. Where is the wise man? Where is the scholar? Where is the philosopher of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world through its wisdom did not know him, God was pleased through the foolishness of what was preached to save those who believe. Jews demand miraculous signs. Greeks look for wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified. A stumbling block to Jews, foolishness to Gentiles, but to those whom God has called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God, and the wisdom of God. For the the foolishness of God is wiser than man's wisdom, and the weakness of God is stronger than man's strength. And I think for me, I just realized, like, it's not our, it's not our strength, it's God's, you know? And you can just be that conduit anywhere. And for me, it just kind of flipped. Like, I was like, wow, you know, that foolishness of Christ really is the power to change people's lives. And we really do have that to share, um, and it needs to be shared, because it broke something off this little girl that needed to be broken off. And I don't know, just just the encouragement of just sharing that, like in boldness, knowing that it's the power of God. Um, it doesn't matter what someone's perception is of how foolish it is. It's the power of God that will break something off of people that they need in their lives to be that new creation that Christ desires them to be. Okay, so I'm Amanda, um, and I'm really glad that Elizabeth went before me and shared that because I originally wasn't going to share with you guys because I felt like probably we would all have a very similar story um, of the orphans and the Daughters of Hope and Alicia and all the workers and how they impacted us. It was it was just fabulous, and I think we all come from that place. Um, so I have something to tell you about that didn't really happen on the mission trip in Guatemala. It happened on an airplane as we got on the airplane. Um, so one of the first Bible verses that I ever memorized as a kid was Matthew 28, 19 through 20, where it says, go you therefore, yada, 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 I could read it for you, but I'm sure you guys know it. Um, and when I was a kid, I just thought it meant you have to go, like go to Guatemala, go here, go there. But then as an adult, um, I was in a sermon and they shared that that go part doesn't mean go somewhere. It means as you're going. Um, so on our way back, we get on the airplane <clears throat> and when we walk up to our seat, there was on our way there, when we walked up to our seat, there was a young girl sitting, of course, near the window. I don't like to fly, and I haven't ever really been on a mission trip outside of the United States. I really don't like to leave Georgia, to be honest with you, unless there's a beach at the other end of the <laughs> trip. It's just not a real thing. But um, anyway, so I was very nervous about flying. I was really hoping I could get a window seat, and so on my way there, a girl was sitting there, and I was like, okay, great. So I was thinking, um, as we're getting on the plane, surely Jesus will save me a window seat after I've just suffered through cold showers and <laughs> other nonsense. Um, so uh, then I get to my seat, and there's a girl sitting there, of course, next to the window. And I was like, okay, great. Um, so Brian is putting our stuff up in the cab, and we're trying to get situated. And she said, oh, did you guys go on a mission trip? And I was like, yeah. It's Guatemala. I was just kind of telling her. And she's like, um, so are you an evangelical Christian? And I was like, uh, yeah, I'm a Christian. I guess that. Yeah, and so, um, I mean, I haven't even sat down in my seat yet, and she's like, you know, um, and she says to me, well, uh, 
I was on a mission trip too. I was like, okay, great. What did you do? And she was uh, she was down there for a week, uh, basically running a daycare. They bring people in for moms of young children so the mom, single moms can go and work. So she was doing that. And I was like, that's really great. And she said, just so that you know, um, I don't believe in God. I'm agnostic. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> Good. Because you know, so hasn't even introduced herself yet, and she's telling me why she doesn't believe. And so she's like, I hope you're not offended. And I was like, no, I'm not offended. Are you offended that I'm a Christian? And she's like, no. And so, I mean, now I'm sitting down, and um, I haven't even, like, I literally don't even know where my stuff is at this point. She's just, like, locked eyes up to me. And so um, she just, like, starts running. I'm literally the whole entire way there until the plane landed, even after the plane landed. Um, I mean, she was just coming at me. Uh, well, as soon as she started, I, I said, well, can, can we just take a minute? And, um, and I want to let you know that nothing you're going to say is going to offend me. And um, can you know my heart is not to offend you? And so in this conversation, we can go to that place. And we're not either one of us are not going to get offended because you have the right to believe what you want to believe. And I have the right to believe what I want to believe. So, I mean, then as soon as we shook hands on that, she was just like going at me uh, with like, uh, so do you believe in abortion? Or are you pro-life? And like oh yeah absolutely and and so and then she had her perspective on that and she, I said so why why do you you everyone believes something so she said she believed in evolution and um, I said why don't you believe there's a God she said I don't understand how there could be a God with all the suffering in the world um, if there was a God and you believe your God is in complete control then why doesn't He stop the suffering I mean you guys <laughs> I was like oh somebody somebody give me a Bible <laughs> I like, oh. and I was like Steve everybody's got on headphones I'm like somebody somebody help me. <laughs> Uh, and, and, and then with gays and gay marriage and who are you voting for? I mean, it was just like, <laughs> um, but, and, and I'm like, literally, I'll just speak in my brain, Jesus, Jesus, please give me the words to tell this girl. Um, and she, she told me that there was no way that no matter what I told her that she was going to believe that there was a God. And I was like, cool. I mean, that's not my job, you know, to make sure that you know there's a God. And I said, my job is just to show you loving kindness and be compassionate towards you. And she said, so do you go to uh, funerals where soldiers who are gay have died and raise signs? And I was like, no, uh, that's not who God is. Uh, God is just loving kindness and good. So if it puts a bad taste in your mouth, it doesn't come from God. Anyway, long story short, we pray this whole, the whole entire, literally the whole entire time, like missed the sandwiches, missed the drinks, <laughs> missed everything that went by. Um, and like my throat was dry and her throat was dry from talking, but she couldn't stop. Um, it was just these questions. And she said, you know, that she has friends that are Christians, but none of them will answer these questions for her. And I said, well, I don't know if I have all the right answers to your questions, but I'll tell you what I believe. And so, and basically I just explained to her that, um, that, that I have this, I've received this gift. Because she was very hung up on the fact that it, she's a good girl. She has good parents. She's been good. She went on this mission trip, paid her own money to go on this mission trip. Not raise money, but she took $2,000 of her own money and went and served these women just like we did. She's good, and she doesn't believe in God. Um, and she couldn't get over the fact that somebody could steal a pack of gum and be a sinner, but a murderer and a mass murderer and a rapist and all this. Uh, is also at the same level. And so I just tried to explain to her that sin costs the same amount. It just costs death. And I said to her, the difference between you and me is that um, my sin, I didn't have to pay for. 
Jesus paid for it for me. And it's like a gift that's wrapped up in a bow, and he's holding it out to you. But if you never reach out and take it, it's not yours. And I said, the time is coming where he will put an end, and he will say enough is enough. And you've been given an opportunity today. This is a divine appointment that you're sitting on this airplane with me. Um, And the gift is out there for you. And I said, you don't have to take it. But when he stops... And, and she said, you believe in this white horse and this man's going to come in and blow a trumpet? And, <laughs> I mean, she was just like very um, offend, offended at pe- the fact that people would believe such nonsense, such foolishness. And I said, I do believe that. And um, I said, but when that, when that happens, if you haven't reached out and grabbed that gift, then you'll, you'll have to pay for that yourself. Um, and, and this death that you're so caught up on, this death and this life, it's a gift. Because um, I had shared with Elizabeth something recently that God showed me in Genesis. I'm going to take more than three minutes. I apologize. Uh, something God had shown me in Genesis uh, that I had read a million times because I grew up in church since I was two years old. Um, about whenever Adam and Eve have sinned and they go to God and he kicks them out of the garden. And he says, uh, he says to them, he's, uh, which is the Holy Spirit in Jesus, that, um, we can't, that we have to lock off this garden so that they can't eat of the tree of life and live this way forever. And I read through that for the one million at the one time and Jesus I always thought of that as punishment like they of course they got punished for disobeying God and I read it this time from a perspective that it was from love that he didn't want us to live with this taste of sin in our mouth forever because he could have left us that way we could have lived that way forever so this life death is a gift but the next life death that if you have not paid if you have not received the gift of Jesus's payment for that then you will pay for that um and I think that she she was like very um wow that's powerful you know but she still she still wasn't um wasn't receiving it but she listened to everything that I said very intently and I gave her my phone number she very much had like perspectives from all different areas and I I told her finally I said listen I can tell you my perspective and somebody who's hell bent on believing that there's not a God can tell you their perspective and um, what I would suggest to you is that you get alone by yourself. And you pray and ask God to reveal himself to you so that you don't have to take my word or someone else's word for whether or not there's a God. You can take your own word. And I believe that if you ask him that, he will show you that. Um, and I looked down and she had like a, um, a bandage on her pinky. And I was like, what? what happened to your pinky? And she had gotten a splinter like really bad in it. And went, while she was there, went to a doctor and they took off her pinky nail. And um, I said, man, I said that. You know, I didn't grow up in, I grew up in a very traditional church where you only talk about Jesus and God and you kind of, the Holy Spirit's part of the Trinity and that's about as far as we're going to go with that. So um, being at Vintage has been very new for me and learning about the Holy Spirit and his power and um, healing power. I'm like kind of nervous about that, just to be real with you guys. Um, but I'm interested, I'm intrigued. And so I said, you know, um, the church I go to, they pray and do healing power. And like, what if, what if we were to pray over your pinky right now? Would you let us do that? And she was like, well, I think it's stupid, but I would let you do it. Um, I said, well, if God healed your pinky, then would you believe that there's a God? She's like, absolutely. I said, what else would it take for you to believe that there's a God? She said, only if the suffering in this world is diminished. And I said, sister, that is not going to happen. We are, we are promised by God that it will only get worse. So um, I said, we'll pray over your pinky. <laughs> That's probably <laughs> so As we got off the plane, I said, Steve. <laughs> Help me with this one. So, um, so then uh, Steve prayed over her pinky, and she pulled it off. She's like, see, God didn't heal it. And I was like, well, um, I gave her my number, and I said, um, I want you to just uh, just try it. 
I'm gonna, I told her at one point, I said, the worst case scenario is that if you're right and I'm wrong, we've both lived a very similar life. We have great parents. We grew up in a very posh life. We both have a heart for serving and loving. Um, so we're the same. Uh, and the only difference is that you don't believe there's a God, and I do. I said, um, so if, I, if you're wrong and I'm right, then what matters is all of eternity. But if you're right and I'm wrong, then I haven't missed out either way because we've lived the same life. Uh, so, nonetheless, um, I would ask all of you, if you don't mind, I gave her my cell phone number, and I told her that whenever she experiences God in a way that she can't deny, that she'll please just let me know, because obviously I think we would all enjoy celebrating that with her. And I would ask all of you um, to end on this beautiful note. Uh, even though you didn't get to go to Guatemala, you can still pray for Alicia, for the Fundacion, for the Daughters of Hope, for the school that they run, and the transition home that they run, and the coffee shop that they run. Amazing. Um, so obviously you can join us in praying for all of that, but if you would also include in your prayers specifically in the next few days for Rebecca, that God, that she would experience God in an undeniable way so that we can all celebrate with her. Maybe specifically that her pinky fingernail grows back <laughs> overnight. So, um, so that is... As they're sitting, I just want to make sure you know there's a high school trip to Guatemala, to Weiwei, uh, over fall break. So there's more information to come. Applications are online under resources. You can talk to Timothy about it, but it's for uh, vintage high schoolers if you're interested in going. All right. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and invite our worship team up just so we can end our time this morning. Uh, so I want to just say just a couple of things as, uh, as I guess Savannah's coming. The... Um, the last night we were there, we or last night with our with the in our time, I think I forget who named it me or not, the AK. We talked about this idea of being um, we talked about being awakened uh, to the power of God, and we talked about this nature of of, of God's movement. Acts one eight, Jesus says, "Hey, wait in Jerusalem for the promise of the Holy Spirit, and you will be filled with power." And we talked about the idea that that empowerment is this empowerment that God wants to do of of moving in our lives, right? Because He loves us, He's for us. We heard these stories this morning of this work that God was doing in us, and and we talked about the idea then that God then empowers us for others. And so I think the place we get messed up a lot of times is that we're so focused on self. Right, that we're so self-absorbed that we are only focused on what God can do for us or what God's not doing for us, right? Does that make sense? Like we get so focused on what God, what we want him to do for me. And everything in life then revolves around me. And when he doesn't do what I want him to do, I'm like, well, he's not real or I'm frustrated or I'm anxious, whatever it is, right? We're so, so caught up on self. And we miss the idea that God wants to empower us to bless others, which is you hear these stories here, Right? And the idea for us then as we sit here is that it's not just about going to Guatemala, just going on a mission trip, but it's this idea of you, you hear, like, what is, how is God awakening you? How, how is God moving in you and how is God moving through you? How is the Holy Spirit's power overwhelming you to then bless others? And so this morning, I wanna, what I want to say is we kind of, as we end our time, it's simply this. Are you living in the posture of being empowered by Jesus? Are you living right now in a posture that allows God's Spirit to move in you and to move through you? Like I was sitting there this one night and I was so, like I was saying, God, what do you want to speak? And I felt like God said, this was really hard. I felt like God said, stop being the victim. Stop being the victim. 
And I'm speaking this to people whose parents literally dropped them on a doorstep and left them. I'm literally speaking this to women who have been raped again and again and again by some male in their home that it's so drastic that they're literally taken out by the government and put into protective custody so that no one knows where they are. And God's saying, stop being the victim. And I'm like, oh, Jesus, that's not easy to say. But God's saying, I have not, when I move in your life, you're no longer the victim. You are the victor. And so in that place, then, the idea is then, I want you to put yourself in a posture of allowing my spirit to move in you and to move through you, but not to be the victim, to not live in self-pity where I'm excessively aware of my own wants, my own lacks, but I'm aware of God's movements. And my simple question for y'all, are you in a posture today? Are you living in self-pity? Are you living self-absorbed? Do you focus so much on self that you can't think of anybody outside of yourself and all you can think about is how God is not moving in you and doing what you want Him to do? God's tired of self-absorption. God is tired of self-pity. It's a sin. People who think more about themselves than anybody else are missing Jesus. The posture is very simple. It's like a sailboat. A sailboat is beautiful and powerful is what I shared when I was there. But it is completely useless unless its sails are lifted high for the Holy Spirit to blow in and to move them. Are you in sin? Get rid of it. Are you living as a victim, self-absorbed in self-pity and defined your life? Then you're in sin and die to it. And number three, are you asking him to move? Are you living in expectation in faith? Or are you so focused, we talked about here, just kind of do as John talked about, it's kind of living your life, doing your own thing, and Jesus is just part of your life. If Jesus is, if you're honest with yourself, is Jesus just part of your life or is he everything? And if he's not everything, then your sails are not up and the spirit of God cannot move through you in the way that he wants to move through you. And so this is where we end this morning. I invite you to go ahead and stand this morning as we go into worship. Ministry teams can come forward. If you have kids, I invite you to go ahead and go get them. And this morning, we simply want to worship. We want to have this honest conversation before the Lord. Am I, am I living, living in a posture of God's movement? Am I living in a posture of God's movement and power? Am I living in a place where I can speak to a person on an airplane and speak prophetically into their life? Am I living in a place where I can go find those who are in need and who are hurting and I can go and be Jesus to them and expect and just expect God's Spirit to move? And I live in a place when someone comes to me, I can expect to hear God's voice as Elizabeth was talking about and begin to pray. Can I live in a place where I'm saying, Jesus, I'm expecting your power to move as a case as a 13-year-old girl says. And God moved through me. Are you living in a place like AK? Are you living in a place of expectation? 
Are you living in a place in a posture saying, Jesus, just do with me what you want to do every day? God, are you moving? Is God moving through you? Are you aware of raising the sails for God's spirit to fill you and to propel you forward? Because he wants to do it. So, Holy Spirit, would you have your way in us this morning? I pray, Father God, for each person here, Lord, who maybe doesn't pay attention to a word anybody said, I pray, Father, right now that you would nail them in their hearts and between their eyes, that you would awaken them to not waste their lives. Father God, the Corinthians were wasting their lives because they were not moving truly, fully in the power of your spirit so you could move through them selflessly to others. May we not be like them. Holy Spirit, have your way this morning. We pray this in Jesus' name. This is the end of the service. I invite you to respond to the Lord leads. We have offering baskets here. We have an offering box in here, and we have a giving kiosk outside next to the connect table. We have sign-ups today for camps. We have things that God is calling you to do this morning in response. We have communion available here, and we have prayer teams available to pray. Are you in a place and a posture of God's Spirit being able to move through you? There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, but you better believe there's conviction of the Holy Spirit. But he's not willing to let you stay where you are wasting your life. Do not waste your life. God saved you not for yourself. He saved you for himself. For his purposes and so he could express his love to you. Do not waste your life. You respond as the Lord leads this morning. Thank you.